We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. <laughs> Everybody's got a story. Oh now. man, everyone's got a story. Go ahead, man. Happy to be here. Uh, yeah. Episode number two of Looks Like We're Lost, a podcast for exploring beyond what we know. My name's Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a guy whose Spotify shows his true colors. Tommy Cooksey. <laughs> Someone has watched either Trolls 1 or Trolls 2 or both uh, to be able to pull that one. Yeah. Um, Do you want to say my Spotify? No, no. You know, um, we probably would lose however many listeners we have. Um, but yeah, you know, my, my Spotify look back used to be like a used to be something I was like, I'm pumped about this, man. Listen to all these emo pop punk songs that I listened to and a couple hip hop. And now it's like trolls Two and frozen. Yeah. Which are equally I, uh, as good. So I have like mm-hmm. a thousand minutes total listening time. And because I was listening to the same album, my top artist was dashboard confessional and all my top songs were dashboard confessional songs. <laughs> as I can't put this out in the world. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, Dustin Merdazel is Tommy Cooksey of 2004. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was bend and don't break. Basically, the the mark of mission of Brand of Scar album was mm-hmm. on repeat. We'll probably have a a podcast on this at some point because uh, yeah, m- music is one of those things that can transport me to a to a place in time like nothing else. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Music and smells smells are my are, are another one for me. So, uh, thanks for joining. Um, last week, Tommy and I covered gratitude, uh, got into a couple of habits that we have with building a cadence. Um, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's gratitude journal, and talked about why gratitude is different than happiness, uh, why we both appreciate its role in our lives. Obviously, a Thanksgiving-themed podcast, but you can hop back into that and also we do a little bit about what this whole podcast is about at the beginning i think we're episode two we're still early enough that we can recommend figuring out what this is about. <laughs> uh, as we do the same right as we kind of do the same oh a hundred percent today we're going to get into some uh the path not taken some almost events that severely impact our life in hindsight i think everybody has a few of these and what's triggering this is and thank you tommy for doing me a favor and allowing this to be a topic uh for a one-hour conversation what triggered this for me is today's december 3rd and that was actually me and my wife's wedding date then the week before that december 3rd 2016 happened i was diagnosed with a form of leukemia. And so I still like to mark the milestone every year, you know, the same way that people do a 
wedding anniversary to celebrate all that is good about the relationship. Uh, for Katie and I, the flip side is all the challenges. And in some ways, this shadow anniversary holds a little bit more meaning to me because it was it was a time when all the chips were down. And I knew for a fact that the I was partnered with could handle a challenge with a joke and practicality. And, you know, that's just such a reassuring build the foundation of the rest of your life upon. And I don't know how that looks different if we get married and we never go through the hardship. I'm a very different man than I was four years ago. And I would I agree a lot with that. Of us, <laughs> anybody who knows me probably agrees with that. I think everyone. Yeah, right. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get into a little of that in about five to ten minutes here. But first, I wanted to ask you about something a little lighter, which was yep. I finished Green Lights this week. Where are you? At? Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. You know, I um, I am about, I'd say I'm probably two thirds of the way in, maybe just a little over half. <clears throat> I'm at the point where he's talking about uh hitching up a, an Airstream and driving across the country in his Airstream. And yeah. I got to say, yeah, I, I really, it's, it, the book's written pretty well. It's very readable um, in, in the same way that, that, um, you know, can't hurt me was written. It's just very readable. Um, But man, just like can't hurt me. I feel like I'm missing something by not listening to it feels like a probably I'm missing like a nine hour movie that I could be just listening to him or however long an audible this audible book is. But so you are reading I, the hard copy. I like copy. it. I think it's good. I'm reading the hard copy. Yeah. I'm another one of those yeah. hard copy guys. <laughs> You're <laughs> an analog like, man in a digital world. <laughs> the, How was the audio book? So listening to Matt Patanahe perform all his stories is pretty damn entertaining. Yeah, and it's the maybe not the first time, but it's definitely the most extreme version of listening to an audio book where turn it on just because I'm enjoying mood and attitude. And yeah, I find myself like imitating speech patterns around the house. Yes, yes, Prescribe. <laughs> it's like all of these things he, he's doing into the mic. I, I love yeah. it. You know, I, I sort of, e- even though I'm reading it, you know, and, and I, and I'm reading it with, in my head, it's his voice, you know, or, you know, whatever my tone is going to be his voice, but you know, in the book, it'll have a paragraph and, or a story or whatever. And then it'll just in green say green light. And all I can envision is just like Wooderson. He gets to the end of a story and he just goes green light. That's like exactly now's how the time to go. Like, <laughs> Feels great every time he says it. <laughs> it the, does, uh, yeah. It's a it's it's a, it's a very readable book, and he he's such a he's like so relatable and yet unattainable. You know what I mean? If that makes mm. sense. Oh sure. No, yeah. I I related to him where he's about to get the movie Rain of Fire, and he shaves his head because he hadn't figured out how to deal with the fact that his hair was thinning and he was losing it. <laughs> And had yet to res- had yet to discover his miracle hair growth uh, cure, Regenics, which you better okay. believe I googled. <laughs> okay, it's like you do better believe I'm going to Google it right too. after this. Oh no, nope. We'll have to do a little bit of 
for recap once you finish. I'd be interested to hear yeah. your perspective. But I love that you're at, he's getting in the airstream because that's kind of a consistent theme for him. Whenever he's going through dramatic moments, he travels to poignant places or gets away, gets off by himself, like Africa or South America. You know, when he, he was putting the book together, like he traveled to different places like his family had been and just spent like two weeks in a cabin by himself. Mm-hmm. Like, Interesting to hear somebody who has that much freedom be so invested in introspection and to just hear how much he gets out of that is, I think, the most unique thing about the way he's built his life, even though it's easy to talk about like the uniqueness of his life. But some of that's happenstance. The, The thing that he does proactively that's super unique is like, you know, abscond and get alone and, you know, wander a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, for for those that listened to to last week's podcast, we're men of routine (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, Annie will have friends that back when we could travel, you know, and and hopefully again soon, but she'd have friends that would have a, a trip booked to let's say Italy and a month or two before they still wouldn't have hotels. And, you know, I'd be like, well, what do you, what do you mean you don't have hotels? And they're like, well, you know, if we don't, if we don't get them, when we get there, we'll just figure it out. And I'm like, do you know how much diarrhea I would have (laughs) if that was me? No way. No way. Yeah. 25 year old Dustin Redazel is signing up. Oh, he's like, (laughs) where's my plane ticket? Here's, here's my last dollar. That's the whole reason I'm in Raleigh in the first place. It's like I didn't love my job in Kansas City right out of yeah. uh, college. Sold everything that did in the two suitcases one way to a job that you know. Yeah. <laughs> like people were getting fired from the job two days or yep. two weeks. Frankly, burning the bridges behind me was probably the only reason I'm still here. There was, there was no going back. Well, dude, I, yeah, this is that's actually without even knowing we're doing it. That's probably a good segue into what we're what we're talking about today. Um, and you know, you know, for, for me, so when you said, you know, the the phrase "sliding door," I don't even I have no idea what that means. Um, and so, you know, quick Google search, and then asking you, <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Uh, you know, it's uh, essentially, and you could keep me keep me honest here, but it's it's um, a seemingly like insignificant moment in the moment that turns out to kind of change the trajectory or the course of, of one's life or, or group's life. And I, I can do, I can say the same thing, man. You know, I got a direct piece of mail in my college mailbox, a flyer. And it was like, come to Raleigh and, you know, you know, interview for this job. And so I, you know, I, I'm like, this is it. Got to get a job right out of school. got to get one, you know, that, all that pressure. And, uh, I drive through the night down here. It's about seven and a half hours. <clears throat> I get put up in a motel six. <laughs> uh, it is. And it's, it's, it's not a nice motel six as if there, as if there was one um, interview. And, you know, before I can even get on the highway again, back to, back to Maryland, I have a job offer. <laughs> and It's like, I, I probably had a couple hundred bucks to my name when I graduated and I'm like, let's go let's do it. Had a, had a friend who wanted to move down and it's something that 35 year old Tommy doesn't do. 
but yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those decisions that I came to abruptly. I just said, let's do it. And, um, I mean, geez, who could have known that, that Raleigh would have become what Raleigh has become. And, and there's just the 10 to 15 years we've lived here. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's been a crazy transformation in such a short period of time for a city. I had no idea, you know, currently we both work for Cisco, absolute giant company. Uh, it's been one of the top 10 places to work for the last five years. I had no idea systems was when I got on that plane to Raleigh. And getting that job at Cisco was like foundational to me having something stable and aspirational that like, okay, I can I can do more than piece months together here. I can build yeah. a career that can that can be foundational to building a life. And again, it's just dumb luck that like Raleigh was the kind of town that had that. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, th there were there were several nights where you know I would I because you, know, you know we were working twelve to fourteen hour days when we first started, and there were several nights where I'm like, "This is stupid, man! I got to move back to Maryland. All my friends are in Maryland, you know." And it was like, but you know, it was like, well, you know, I made this move. I think I can make this work. I, you know, I feel like I'm not just spinning my wheels here. There's there's something more here. Um, and you could just kind of feel the momentum building in the city, you know? It's kind of a cool thing to be a part of. What was the interview process like? Did you feel just confident? Because, like, they'd already put the money down on the Motel 6. <laughs> they were really splurging for me to get down there. <laughs> oh, man. It was, put it this way, if I was going through it now, I'd be like, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> see yeah. see y'all. But, uh, I mean, you know, as, as a 21 year old, everyone's wearing a suit and like, you know, you have these sales reps talking about, you know, they get to travel and they make good money and there's ping pong and you're like, well, you know, it's kind of all I need right now. That's really the truth. When you're 21, 22, almost anything could satisfy you. Your yeah. expectations are so low. Absolutely. So my, my first business trip to Pittsburgh and had never been to Pittsburgh before <clears throat> the size of the suitcase I packed to travel on a three day trip to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think I brought two suits, like four shirts. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a chronic overpacker. Like, uh, I, I probably pack enough like, uh, underwear that if I, didn't use a bathroom, a toilet the entire time I was there, I'd still be okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I look back on that and I'm like, I checked the bag. You know, it's just, you, you look back on it and you're like, man, oh, yeah. I, how little I knew, how little I knew going to this city or I would literally be meeting eight people and then go back to the hotel and just sleep. There'd be no extracurriculars after those meetings. But yeah, it's fun to look back on that. I like the overpack. I, I still do it to this day, just a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I always make sure that I can pack it into a carry-on, but I always have like a few shirts too many, like one outfit yeah. that's nicer than I'm ever going to wear because I like mm -hmm. embracing the fantasy of travel. Like anything could happen. I'm getting on this plane. Like even being in mm -hmm. the airport still feels a little exotic to me after all it's this time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. E even for a business trip, it's like, this is exciting. It is. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I was doing the same thing. I my trips were to Detroit 
most often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had no money. So when I got double my meetings, I would spend that money on a six pack and a <laughs> little Caesars hot and ready. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'd just be like <laughs> watching movies on my laptop in the cheapest hotel room I could find. Yep. Good yep. days. Good days. Well, dude, so, so man, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just get back into uh, what I wanted to be talking about just a little bit. Pretty seminal time in my life, which getting cancer in the same week, supposed to be getting married, and how that flip flop of expectations to reality kind of sparked everything that followed after. You know, 10 months out of work. It was the first time I had enough time to actually uh, finish a book that became Cheeto Dust. Mm-hmm. It was like the first time I completed a big project. Had a big idea in mind, and like I didn't think it was possible to do it all, and finally cranked through it. And you know, I come out on the other side of that chemo, and I went from being somebody in that 10 months who was renting a house to somebody who owned a house, had a mortgage, somebody who wasn't married, somebody who was married, and somebody who didn't think I could do certain things. Like, I I hadn't run over three miles, probably since college, to the year following running a marathon to get it first book done. And it was truly transformative. At the time, it just felt like the worst thing ever. Yeah. And yeah, I guess part of the reason I've been thinking about it so intensely is like after we got into talking about gratitude, I started thinking like maybe I've been taking some of this for granted. You know, Mm -hmm. it just so happened the timing of things from Thanksgiving into this very week, the week I was diagnosed with cancer. It's like it's just been on my mind a lot for me. The gratitude mostly comes from the lows. Only because I've had, you know, kind of appropriate, we open up this conversation talking about the, the shittiest sales job we ever had. <laughs> because, because that's the same thing that makes me like think about my job at Cisco. I was like, man, this yeah. is great. Well, so what, what, because I've not had that that type of experience and and the way that it came about and the timing is like, I mean, it's freaking profound. It doesn't like to happen, you know, it could have happened at any point, but the moment, you know, you were, you were on death's door. Like, you know, it had you not gone when you went, you may, I don't know if they probably told you, but you probably had a couple days, a couple hours. I mean, I don't know, but you were really sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it basically like kills you in three days or if you can get through that first, first week, first month, then it's one of the good cancers, as they say. Yeah. Do you have this feeling where it was almost like a near-death experience for you, and now you look at life and you say, well, I can't take really any minute for granted? Because I've seen literally that it could be taken in a second, and so I need to try to squeeze every moment with my kids, every moment with my wife, and and is it is it easier harder to to find gratitude based on that i think i could intellectualize it in a retrospective and say yeah that's what it is 
But part of the reason I like to revisit it is because, you know, what they say about a memory, every time you recall something, you're recalling the last time you recalled it. Like you don't mm-hmm. remember the event, yeah. you remember your memory of the event. So right. I like revisiting it more often because I feel like it keeps the copy cleaner. Uh, I lose yeah. less. So I try to take some time to like get back because the reality of what actually happened, 10 months of chemo triggered something like PTSD couldn't make sense of what had happened to me for a long time. It's what got me into mm-hmm. therapy. My drinking got a lot worse. Like I was pretty, pretty all over the place. I wasn't, I was pretty mm-hmm. listless. And it took some like hard reckoning coming out the backside, like trying to get to work again, trying to get back in shape. And I have no idea where it happened, but somewhere along the line, the effort to become like normal and started becoming indistinguishable from who I actually was. And, yeah. you know, all the things I started doing to try to get back together is like, well, I'm out of shape. I'll start running. I had to stop two times in the first mile. It took me like 11 to 12 minutes to run a mile. And yeah. I just kept doing that until I ran the Chicago Marathon and started going to therapy, group therapy, talking about just some awful habits I had and sharing things that I had never shared with anybody and still don't share with anybody outside of those rooms. Mm-hmm. Right. It just took a lot of unpacking all that to like see I'd I'd kind of twisted things up and that the world yeah. did actually make sense and and so I don't know, man. I I just know that it's important to revisit the pain of it. Mm-hmm. Turn it into some overly dramatic triumph story. Like it's like I gotta remember how low it was. It's not like, oh, near-death experience. Thank God for every breath. It's like, yeah, that's not the way to no, right. Yeah, you said that when, when, you, um, when I came to visit you, uh, and then when we talked, you know, some afterwards. But, you know, you said it's, it's like this weird thing where you get all this almost like adoration and, and love outpouring onto you. Not that people don't feel that way anyway, but you get like this extra amount where you almost become this... I don't want to call it a celebrity, but you're like a pseudo celebrity. Like people are, people were asking me about you like, Hey, how's dusty? You know, how's he doing? And I, you know, and it's like, you know, you, I feel like it can go a couple different ways. Like you could be in that moment and say, well, screw all those people. They're healthy. I'm sick. Right. Or, or you could say, I am the man I'm fighting this. I'm the man. Right. And then you come out of it. And as happens, like you're healthy. Good. Whew, thank you. But I can see where that you're on this high of like people are asking about me, people are talking to me, people are sending me stuff. And then all of a sudden, people aren't asking about me, people aren't sending me stuff. And that could be a really quick dissension into like some probably some dark depression, man. I don't know. Did did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, I think what it is now, this is exactly why I like doing this. Uh, I think what it is is. You get that boost, and you need that boost for a while. But deep down, you know the reality of it is, like, you just got sick. 
Like mm-hmm. you didn't do anything. You just got sick. And it's nice to have everybody rally and pull together for you. I'm not saying that isn't necessary and super helpful. It is. Sure. You see, and you can see, you can see the goodness in people, right? The, the genuine goodness in people, like the actual concern and care for a fellow person. Yeah. Yeah. But like you as the person experiencing it know that like, really it's kind of the, it's the doctors, the nurses, it's the, the three decades of research you had nothing to do with that just happened to be here to save your life, yada, yada. And so then you get on the other side of that. Right. And it's like, well, now you're better. And the world just kind of goes back to normal. And like nothing ever happened and you have never been more rocked just trying to like go back. Like everything was the same. It feels wrong. Yeah. That's why I likened it to like a version of PTSD. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a soldier in a firefight, but you come back and it's just like, how is everybody chill? Right. You know? Yeah. Why, why are people getting in an argument because they're out of, diet pay at the stop and go you know yeah it's it's funny so there's even a lot of studies that liken um you know different childhood trauma whether whether intentional or unintentional to 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 ptsd and and likens it to the same thing that like soldiers experience you look at all of these these uh things and i'm getting super deep here but you know in, in in our society that are like you know drug abuse alcohol abuse you know those are sicknesses don't get me wrong but it's almost like the underlying sicknesses are mental health issues that mm-hmm. have always been like, oh, you're, you're mentally ill. Oh, well, you're, there's something wrong with you. Maybe we all kind of are. Maybe we all struggle. With, I think we're all struggling with some sort of, I mean, that's, that's, that's Buddha's whole thing, isn't it? You know, we're, all, yeah. we're all struggling through some kind of suffering. It's at, it's at varying levels, right? How do we, it's how we cope yeah. with it, I think. No, it is. And I I think that uh, being able to acknowledge it, like whatever that thing is that's messing you up and finding somebody that you start talking about it to is yeah. step to just accepting the world as it is. Like one of the things I've said a million times to people in group therapy when they come in and they're like, I just don't understand like the point of talking about all this is like, what am I going to get from this? You know, the research will tell you we think ideas at a rate that is equivalent to speaking a thousand words a minute. And when you speak, you speak roughly fast or slow between 100 and 150 words per minute. Just the act of taking whatever is in your head and compressing into speech takes things that are nuanced and complex and forces you to simplify, simplify, simplify. Mm-hmm. And once you can start mm-hmm. doing that about the trauma of life, it gets a lot easier to digest. Like you're liter- literally, you're metaphorically making the problem smaller. One of the things that we've talked about is, is, is just the ability to empathize and recognize that people are going through something. Everyone, and, and if they aren't right now, they have, they have gone through something. And everyone's opinions or decisions or whatever, we've talked about this. It's it's like constant like colliding at, at different moments in life, right? And and everything that happened before that will, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually will help will bring that person to a point with how they interact with you while you've also been traveling a, a different path to that same point. 
Um, and I think just being cognizant of that is, is a, is a way to strong, just stronger relationships. You know, I heard it, I heard it today, um, on Rogan's podcast that the CEO of, uh, have you listened to the one with the CEO of Whole Foods yet? It's John McKay. Yeah, I have. The thing he said in that whole, I mean, you know, he, he defends capitalism pretty strongly in there, which is fine. Um, but, the, but the one thing he said that like, that I loved was he said, you know, your opinions and your feelings, your thoughts, think about them like a pair of clothes, mm. right? They're, they, they, they are yours, but they're not you. Right. And, and when you outgrow those thoughts or those opinions or those feelings, you then throw them away and you form and you get new ones. And, you know, this probably doesn't fit in, in our, in our theme today. We're just kind of talking and letting our brains do some jogging here, but we're at this point in our, we're at this point now where, you know, so, someone's getting too big for their shirt and they're just surrounded by friends saying, nah, man, that still fits you. Still looks good on you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Having that realization that you are not your ideas is pretty key to adjusting and changing and like forgiving mm-hmm. yourself and letting the past version of you that carries a lot of pain fear, anxiety, letting that person go, you know, give, give those yeah. clothes away to the Salvation Army. People are not ideas. Mm-hmm. I hope that all the time. People aren't ideas because I get hung up seeing somebody express their ideas. And for whatever reason, my inclination is to be upset with them, like be yeah. mad at that person. And, and uh, say you are, and then, and then take a, a thought or opinion and say that you are that. Right. And then extrapolate their whole life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that truck with the assault life sticker on the back. Cut you yes. off the traffic. Yeah. And you know uh-huh. exactly who that person yep. is. Like, you know, everything you know their about. history. Uh huh. And, and like, of course I don't. Probably somebody borrowing their friend's truck to move. Yeah. Right. 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 But yeah, I try to remember. And, it does help. It detaches you from whatever, whatever makes the world seem threatening. Yeah, dude, you know, it's funny. So, so you say it that way. And I, and I, and I totally believe that this is the most pr- profound thing that, that I got. And I probably got it within the first, I don't know, 50 pages of um, 12 rules for life. Jordan Peterson's book, you know, we talk about, you know, loving thy neighbor as thyself, right? That's the golden rule. And a lot of times we forget that there's a second part to that, right? It's, it's thyself, it's yourself. <laughs> and, and I saw this thing today that was like, you know, um, forget the exact, it, it's some Instagram account that, that uses the F word to say things that you don't have to say the F word for, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, it. res- re- respect your effing self or something like that. But, but what, it, what it said is the same thing, right? It said, try to take yourself out of your body and look at, look back at yourself objectively. You know, your heart, you know, your emotions, you know, and, and look at yourself as if you're someone that like, like JP says is you're someone you're responsible for taking care of. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, if, if you botch a sales call, are you going to berate that person? No. Hey, if you lose your temper or someone loses their temper, are you going to pawn it? You know, berate? No, you're not going to do that. If you, if you have a, if you have a thought or opinion that you sit with for a second and you're like, Oh, that's kind of ugly. Okay. Learn from it but don't beat yourself up over it. I think we're so inclined to look at that, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and that be, 
you know, put yourself below them. Right. I, I love the example he uses in the book where he's like, you know, Hey, if you know, we both have dogs, right? If the vet, if you take the dog to the vet and the vet says, give your dog one pill in the morning, one pill at night for the next 12 days, do you stop on day 10? And you're like, yeah, he's probably good. No, you go the whole 12 days, right? Yeah. So quickly for ourselves, we're like, ah, I don't need the rest of that antibiotic, right? I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Man, nothing, and, and nothing, I think, yeah, yeah. I was just to say, nothing clarifies that, like when you have a kid and you realize like how profound that advice actually was. Yeah. Yeah. And this is in joking fashion, because Katie and I talk about that. Take care of yourself as if it was something you were responsible for taking care of. We talk mm-hmm. about that all the time. And it just came up again the other day, like in joking fashion, she made waffles for our son, Walter, and she was giving him the waffles with no chocolate chips. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's healthier. <laughs> and then yeah, she's right. just like, she just loads hers up with chocolate chips, which totally fine. Your prerogative as an adult. And I, <laughs> so I made some fun of it and I was just thinking, man, like even in the things that don't matter, like we... We're also ready to dispatch ourselves when, when I was in recovery, like I got so sick physically, emotionally forced to start taking care of myself and it's made all the difference. Let me ask you this and then we can jump into the next segment. Cause I know we're, we're kind of late on the hour here is the next step in the progression though to allow yourself some grace and forgiveness when you can't meet all the, the notches in the schedule. Like if you can't tick all the boxes in the list is having, is giving yourself some more bend the next progression. Well, I talk, I talk about this a lot when I'm making my goals for the year. I'll use an example. My goal for 2020 on my diet was something I called IFVB six intermittent fasting vegan before 6 p.m. So basically I don't eat till noon. I eat a vegan lunch. 6 p.m. I'll have a regular dinner, decrease my meat intake, uh, decrease my calorie consumption, and then I have to stop eating by 8 p.m. When I decided to go that route, the key part of that goal was that there was grace built into the metric. So par for the mm-hmm. week is five days. If I go IFVB six all seven days, I'm a plus two, right? And if I mm-hmm. broke my diet three days, I'm a minus one. So I'm incorporating error all the time. And I think it's a pretty common mistake when you start down the path of self-care and, or self-improvement of making yourself better to try to just bite off way more than you need to chew. You yeah. see it all the time, don't you? The, the gym the gym opens on January 2nd and people go in and bench 200 pounds and try to run six miles and then they don't ever go back, you know? Right, right. So I think if you're doing it correctly, you should build grace in right from the get-go. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a necessary part of the experience that, you know, perfection is unattainable. And along those lines, in my hand, the We're Not Really Strangers self-reflection pack. It's 52 cards. 
we're going to answer one of the questions together. You'll answer it. I'll answer it. Maybe we'll just chop it up. I don't know. And yep. uh, it'll give us a little help in finding ourselves. But this has not been seen before. <laughs> so I, I want you to know I'm not having a leg up. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, uh, tacos. And you're, uh, you're like, oh, well, let me just explain <laughs> the. Uh, Here we go. What expectation have I set on someone that has been hurting me the most? Hmm. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Say it again. Say it again for me. What expectation have I set on someone that has been hurting me the most? I think I can take a swing at this. Yeah, 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 go ahead. I think I have an idea, but go ahead first. I find myself getting aggravated for a lack of... Let's say that I'm watching Walter, and I have a meeting at 10 a.m. And I came down at 8.55 to take over watching Walter. Katie had some transition time to get to her 9 a.m. meeting. Mm-hmm. She comes running down the stairs at like 10, 10.01. And now I'm a couple mi- minutes late to my meeting. The reciprocity that I just built in mm-hmm. is an expectation of like, hey, I gave you that five minutes. I should get that five minutes. And I'm not in that meeting. I have no idea what her and her boss or her and her teams, whoever she's on the phone with. Look, I don't even know who she's on the phone with, right? Yeah, right, right. I have no idea. And yet I build up all these like standards and I'm getting aggravated. You know, last week we talked about that clenched fist. I'm starting to like clench that emotional fist. And I think I'm doing that on a lot of stuff just because this is, our whole world right now. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm cleaning the dishes at lunch, right? Like when, why haven't I seen you cleaning the dishes at lunch? You're just working. Yeah. Is yeah. it like, it, is this like more, like more selfish than doing the dishes? Like I'm making my own. Yeah. Here. That, that's where I was headed to, man. There, there's like a reciprocity piece of this. It's like, you know, well, Hey, you know, and, and this has been, that's something I've probably struggled with for my whole life where I'm like, you invite people to a certain thing or you, or you, or you set up an event for a certain thing and you know, these people show up or they don't, but at least you invited them mm-hmm. and then you see them or you hear about it through friends that they had a, an event or a gathering and you didn't even get a mention like, Hey, we're going to be doing this thing. We would invite you, but you know, we're limited to whatever. And it's like, well, well, Hey, you know, I could have retrospectively, I could have said, Hey, I I heard about this thing you're doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're friends. Can I come to it? But I just expect that they would think of me. It's almost like I, 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 in some cases I put myself on this, on this pedestal of like, I should be invited. Why wouldn't you invite me? Right. And then in the same way I I get, I get frustrated. I get annoyed. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you, Why, why did I get invited? You know, that's a little bit of that, uh, that toddler inside. I want to be the one invited kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Have you, uh, do you follow the Instagram account visualize value? 
Yes. There's a post they had a few weeks back, and it was just a tiny little X in the circle that said, them thinking about you. And then you slide over to the next picture, and that little white X inside the black circle is now just a giant white circle all filled in. And mm-hmm. it's you thinking about them thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a version of that self-obsession has me put these expectations on even the people who care about me the most. I mean, we opened up this podcast with me talking about how I got diagnosed with cancer on the week of our wedding. And how it's made me super grateful for this life partner that is everything I can hope for in a wife. And yet here I am now just like in the daily grind. Why am I, why am I scrubbing? <laughs> This pain for the third day in a row. Right. Like that's yeah. And and I don't know why I want to put that suffering on myself. When between you and me, I enjoy doing dishes. I put on yeah. I put on Matthew McConaughey's green lights and mm-hmm. I I it's Zen time. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, man. It's almost like I'm used to having a certain amount of anxiety. And even when life is good, I will turn to the people I love the most and orchestrate it. Really like to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, yeah, dude, I think th- to me, that's the biggest thing. And if, and if, if you make it big picture, like what, what is that? Cause you're not alone in that feeling. Certainly not, especially in, in the COVID era, but expecting the ones that, that, you know, especially the ones that love us the most, the ones directly around us, expecting them to know your state of mind or your emotional state, however, however trivial the thing might be, just expecting them to know how you're feeling about it and then getting mad that they don't know how you're feeling about it. Basically yeah. insanity. Yeah, 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 exactly. So what, what's, what someone told me this the other day, it might've been my brother. I don't remember, but he said, you know, when you point the finger at someone, there's three fingers still pointing at you. Oh, classic. <laughs> and I like it. I never thought about it more. But yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think that's that's something we all probably struggle with is like, well, th- there's this fear, this fear of being vulnerable, showing weakness, right? If I show weakness or I'm, I'm going to be perceived as a complainer, right? I'm going to sound like, which I am a bit of a complainer. I, you know, any, any manager or my wife will tell you that I'm a bit of a complainer. But Dude, uh, I love a good wine. Yeah. No, I'm going I'm to go, you know. I age fine, like a nice wine. The <laughs> H. Well, dude, should should, should we drop some uh, some uh, some some products or services? Yeah, man, I'm ready. But I like I gotta say for uh, for anybody who's not checked out, we're not really strangers. I hadn't heard about it until we started doing research for the structure of this podcast, and uh, they've got a great Instagram account. It's called. We're not really strangers, all one word. And it is a game for meaningful connections. With the warning, feelings may arise. I figured if we're going to use their game for our own content, I could at least give them a plug. But uh, this oh, is the sure. self-reflection, self-reflection edition, which is just made to work through some things. So enjoy. Yeah, so I uh, I thought, you know, t- tis the season and all, and... Uh... We have a lot of good friends in in the community and a lot of people that we know and and uh, you know I thought well hey why why don't I start why why don't I drop some some names of some of some companies or some services that that we use of of some people that 
that we know that run the businesses. So, um, uh, one that that you've you've if you're if you're in the Raleigh Cary area, you've probably heard of is um, Wolfgang Bakery. Uh, so my buddy Mike and his wife own this business. They got four locations uh, across the kind of the triangle area. Uh, they have a new one down, kind of down. Actually, you're near the Cameron Village one and probably the Gateway Plaza one. But uh, they actually do. So if you're using like a, we used to use uh, like a like a big box uh, online delivery service. And uh, so so Wolfgang Bakery. I mean, they're like a, I guess the. Originally built as kind of like a boutique uh, dog food grooming and um, I do know I know exactly it. I've 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 been in there multiple times. With, yeah. You know. So so something I didn't know that they did until recently. They actually will de- hand deliver food for you, just like say like a Chewy or one of these big national companies. Um, and their selection is is pretty unbelievable. So you know you message them if they don't carry it in their store they'll get it and uh prices are competitive and so forth and then they do grooming they do self-service i think i think they do self-service grooming they might not right now due to covid and then obviously you know we love our dogs like like our family so we typically will get treats from there when we can go in and stuff so um that's my local drop man uh great company great service and uh you know for our for man's best friend Wolfgang Bakery, and I'll put the uh, links to the recommendation. Uh, I'll throw I'll throw the Not Strangers card game in there as well, but I'll put the Wolfgang Bakery links in the show notes uh, so you guys can look it up. For my recommendation, um, I'm going to go with a company called Magic Wellness is a holistic wellness company that mostly specializes in uh, CBD-based wellness products. They do CBD tinctures, they do uh, inflammation creams, they do bath bombs for relaxation. And I uh, became aware of them because I had an old friend, maybe my oldest friend, who uh, caught the curve of cannabis business at the right time and he was selling cbd isolate um all of the isolate that goes to magic wellness it originally started coming from uh his company's provision and all of that was third-party tested so that you're getting the verified dosage that the product says it comes with which can be an issue in that line of product yeah. there's not the same sort of federal testing for a lot of uh food and drug so the company is actually owned by jordan norwood and he played for the denver broncos super bowl champion still holds the uh the record for the longest punt return in the super bowl uh and he it's a black owned business he has been extremely active in the denver community uh, you can look up Jordan Norwood on Instagram, see a lot of what he does to to help with, gosh, everything that's been going on uh, since George Floyd and even before. So I just, I've just been really impressed. I had a conversation with them five, six months ago. I was really impressed with his story. So if you're looking into anything CBD, uh, I mean, I think you've taken CBD to help you sleep before. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's helped with this general wellness. Like, um, it helps with my sleep. It helps with uh, you know the anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's been scientifically proven yet, but anecdotally, it's it's been extremely helpful and something I've been using for probably about two years. So, absolutely yeah, recommend I've been it using for recovery from hard workouts. Like when I was doing my 2020 testing workout, <laughs> like it's a pretty brutal workout. Uh, using that cream to help myself recover. So uh, check it out. Again, links will be in the show note, but Magic Wellness spelled M-A-J-I-C. It's a great company. Anything else? Um, Yes, by saying how badly you have to urinate? (laughs) I don't have to. No, no, I don't have to. I had, and I drank, and I drank all this, man. I'm good. I'm good. No, man, I I enjoyed the conversation like always, man. And um, we'll eventually we'll get the uh, the audio stuff figured out. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And, and I am uh, officially on PTO, headed to the mountains. Enjoy the clean air. It just hits you different, man. It really does. Talk to you later. See you, dude. Bye.